Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. Chris Emke. Jean-Paul Vaillant. Oh. oh, that's right. We got a third co-host for today's episode. And of course, you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, Jean-Paul, or JP as we all know you, how the hell are you, bud? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, JP comes to us from Calibrated Powers, uh, Turbo, Send It Studios Department. Uh, you are the coordinator down there who has really helped get the Stealth Series uh, Turbo Manufacturing Program up to pace. Uh, to put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, as the understatement of the year. Yes. So great job. Great job. Congratulations. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. No yeah. problem. To, to look at the timeline, right? And I mean, Paul, we can speak a little bit on this. So this is before JP's you know, arrival. Right. Uh, a couple of years ago, we decided to basically take on turbo manufacturing in-house. You know, uh, we wanted to grow that side of the business. We wanted to make sure quality control was in check. You know, we wanted to have an R&D department for turbos, which we can prove now, like, yeah, shit works. And then JP comes in and he comes into the organization and he was doing a great job, but he had this attention to detail that I wish I could have. It, it, you're being nice because he's here. No. It was obnoxious attention to detail. You're he's, so obsessed with detail. We all wanted to kill you yeah. and hug you. Well, I don't know if that's a normal so thing to, for a To backtrack, because I don't want Nick to get mad at me too much, but Nick would be embarrassed if I brought a customer. If a customer came from out of state and you know he wanted to see a tour of the shop, he refused to let anyone go into the Turbo Bay because at the time, there was no structure. Right. right? It was just like, we need this, we need this, we need this. JP comes in there, I'll lead off the fucking floor of that thing now. Oh, yeah. And all of the housings, just all of the components, the pieces, he's done a great job. And yes, he is in front of me, but this is stuff I say behind his back. This is true. Yeah. It's it's gorgeous back then. No, it is. It is. It's a total transformation. He's it's it's made huge strides. Um okay, wanted to give you guys a couple of quick updates. Last week Chris and I did the ride along in my new X five. Yeah, dude. I felt like a baller. It it, it it felt great until two days ago when I was driving home and I was like, Man, it's got this little noise in the back. And then I was coming into work yesterday, and I'm like, dude, this noise is obnoxious. So I'm doing 45, and I can hear like voom, 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 voom. And then I let off like no throttle and let it like coast at 45 miles an hour, and it felt like a tire was going to fall off. Bringing it in the shop, I tell the guys like, hey, I don't know if I got a wheel bearing out or I got you know brake sticking, but something's fucked up in the back. They're like, oh, it's all wheel drive. We'll look into it. Literally come and get me 20 minutes later. They're like, dude, your wheels almost fell the fuck off. So with these aluminum rims, um, whoever the last person to take them off did not torque them down properly. And it snapped two of the lug studs or three of the lug studs on different tires. It backed out five of them overall. So literally one of my back, like my back passenger tire only had two lug nuts holding it on. I witnessed it. Yeah. Um, Fucking pissed, dude. Like I was pissed about this so for all the listeners paul gets this car you know it 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 is a nice suv sure it's it's gorgeous and he comes in and like you know he's talking about his uh, negotiating skills and like bragging about it which was a good story it it worked and then a week later you see this and you're like yeah no wonder they let it go as cheap as they did (laughs) jokes on you yeah true story you know it's gonna be fixed yeah that's it man i mean at the end of the day it was less than 100 bucks in parts to get all new lug studs for it uh the guys are throwing them on tonight no big deal It, it, it will be okay uh, but that, that's a shout out there. So I think a lot of guys who have had aluminum rims know 
after so long of driving it and like maybe not just 2,000 miles because I certainly mm-hmm. wasn't at 2,000 miles since the tires had been off. But after a period of time, uh, you need to go back and retorque them. Just double check your shit. It's little things, you know. Uh, so back in school, we had what's called a heavies program. So I got my CDL in high school. Yeah. And we worked on diesel engines my junior, senior year. That's how I got into diesels. Brag. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. I had a really good <laughs> second half of my high school career. Um, so, yeah. Anyways. Um, one of the things that like my teacher, his name was Mr. Kerrigan, would always talk about is like, be aware of the vehicle itself. Like I never, up until that point, I never checked oil. I went off of miles, like right. three, four thousand miles. Oil changed depending on what it was. <laughs> Coolant, what the fuck checks that? Graduate high school, get it my uh, second gen Dodge, you know yeah. my my my, uh, my old one, and. Um, I had a pop head gasket, didn't know at the time, and I go to check the oil one day, and I lost like a gallon of oil, right? Well, the oil was going into my cooling system. Of course. Yeah, right. And it it got really bad really fast. Like, the motor was trashed. Like, the truck was a piece of crap at that point, and maybe it could have been... Maybe it could have been uh, prevented a little bit if I was a little bit more... Yeah, you probably could have been salvaged more yeah. out of the engine if you would have caught so it sooner. So now, like my car, every time I take it out, I check I check fluids before I take it out. Yeah, Every yeah. time. I'm, I'm one to... Every time I fill up, yep. I check fluids. In the truck. JP, you're crazy about detail. How often do you check the fluids? Because you got a 6.4. I have a 6.4, a 7.3 liter, yeah. and... Uh, and a fusion. So it's just, it's safe to say you're a Ford guy. You're a blue oval enthusiast, to say the least. Just a little bit. I mean, you name your trucks. I do. Yep. Let's hear them. Uh, so one is not so embarrassing. The, the F-250, which is a 1995, I named that Louie. Uh, and it looks like a Louie. No particular reason, Louie. You named your truck after a guy? All my diesel trucks are going to be guys. See you Because they work hard. Okay. All I had a couple trucks. other ways to go with this, like, see, so you ride Well, guys, this is a but, family but show. Yeah. No, I didn't go there. <laughs> I didn't go there. I said I was going to, but I didn't. I know, because it's a family show. All right, JP, what's the Blue Devil's name? Contrary to popular belief, <laughs> if, you, uh, if you do the maintenance procedures with the 6.4 liter, in my experience, I've owned two, um, the, the blue one's named Rogan because he's rock solid like Joe Rogan is. <laughs> Guys, for anyone who's never met JP, you would completely understand. I love it. And how about the Fusion? What's the Fusion's name? You know, that car's kind of plain. It doesn't have a name yet. No, name it Lance. Lance. Yeah, or Stan. Ooh, Stan. That's a nice one. Actually, I like Stan. I think Stan could stick. A gray Fusion. I like that. It's all right. It's got Bluetooth, so we've yeah, we've hit a, legit. we've hit a new low point. That <laughs> somebody somebody told me six fours are good, and nobody balked at him. And secondly, we're naming <laughs> fucking Ford Fusions on Diesel Performance Podcast now. It is also Friday the Thirteenth. This yeah, it is officially. <laughs> that's it. Forgot about that. Official mic Welcome drop. to Friday the Thirteenth episode where we name Ford Fusions. All right. Well, we'll get more into that <laughs> okay, here, right? Yes. So, what's today's topic, Paul? Today's topic: Duramax turbos. And we're gonna get into the do's, the don'ts, what to get, what not to get, depending on the setup we're just we're just going to talk about duramax turbos absolutely but before we do and speaking of Ooh. do's and don'ts well, who pays the bills yeah let's talk about exergy performance exergy's got a lot of do's and don'ts too guys we love exergy performance and you probably know that if you've ever heard an episode because even before they were a an official sponsor uh we still talked about them all the time yeah. uh the guys over there are awesome randy rick rob uh, and everybody else uh that you're going to meet uh harvey and everybody else that you're going to interact with there top of the line customer service and absolutely unquestionable 
top of the line products. Man, they're uh, not even next to us, and you're talking highly. I know, right? Damn. But it's it's true. It's just like I I'd love to dog on and be like, oh, those guys are assholes. But like for real, no. like I love those guys. They've gotten um, they've gotten me out of a couple scenarios. They're yeah, good people. True story. And and they've answered every question I've ever asked. Yeah. No matter how much I really didn't want to know the answer, and they very rarely say <laughs> um, uh, like trying to buy themselves time. You know, no, like they're, yeah, they're, no, no, they're, no. they're very witty, very knowledgeable people. The only time they slow down what they're saying is when they're like, "I love, I love." You'll hear this if you talk to Randy. Uh, you know, um, I'm told that yeah, I'm yeah. too technical, yeah. and I'm trying to dumb this down for morons like you. He won't use those words, mm-hmm. but that's that's my reason. But if you also it. met him in person and you understand his demeanor and his character, oh yeah, you know, great, you're not no. going to take it offensively for sure. What I like, I'm just going to go right into the do. I do don't it. Care. I'm going to interrupt you for once. Do it. Um, it goes really well with what our topic is today. Almost so, like somebody planned it. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're when guys are calling in, they call into the shop, you're looking, doing your research, and you buy injectors, right? You want to be able to match the injector to the turbocharger that you're looking to go with or the desired horsepower that you're looking to go after. Yes, there are some scenarios you might want to go a little bit bigger or not or something along those lines, but within reason, you want to have a properly matched setup. Yeah, yeah, I think that that speaks highly of everything we're going to talk about today is yep. like your your total setup. What is your total setup? So guys who run 100 over injectors on stock turbos, stock trans. It doesn't make any sense. You're mm. not getting anything out of those injectors. They're hurting you more than helping yeah. you. Uh guys who are running 30 overs cuz they're going to get better fuel mileage. Never yeah. been my case. My math doesn't work that way, but if yours does, great. Um, well, the bank account's lighter, so the your your pockets are lighter, so when you're driving, so you can spend less on fuel. Oh, oh, because yeah, less weight. It's like oh, you have less you money now. in your pocket, so it's less I to drive. You know. No, your bank account's in your pocket. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, the wallet, <laughs> the cards, the cash. It's all right. Yeah, um, I had a lug nut break earlier, so. <laughs> <laughs> What's the don't, Paul? The don't is don't remove your stock fuel filter unless you have to. Uh, but I just I just bought a fast system, and I put it on my truck. I don't want to spend forty dollars on a fuel filter every ten thousand miles. So why wouldn't I take it's, it off? The literally go buy a Honda Civic. Uh, if you're if you're for what, what ten dollars forty it's forty, $40. it's a forty forty five dollar filter forty forty five dollar filter every ten thousand miles. I'm like, just saying that's on, a lot of money to spend real, every ten k. Quit playing. You'd be you'd be driving a Civic if that was true. Number one. So I don't want to hear the fuel filter cost thing. Um, it might leak. That's another thing I don't want to hear. That doesn't make any sense. The more filtration you have before your injectors, the longer your injectors are going to last. Yeah, That's but... not a, a rule to life. That's not like a law of physics, but it's a truth that I think we all understand. And, and under agree certain with. circumstances and application, the factory fuel filter being removed makes sense. Dude, listen, you know? if it's leaking and you already have a FAS on it, sure. Yeah. Like it's leaking. I. I'm probably not going to repair it. Like right. that seems dumb to me because the fuel filter delete kit's cheap for a Duramax. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Like if you have to, you have to. But I, I just went through this with uh, Tyler Franzen over at Duramax Tuner. He's working on an LBZ budget build that's going to be out yeah. in the Workstock sled pulling class. I will actually have some featured interviews from him on the show here in the future. Uh, but he actually deleted the fuel filter totally unnecessarily. And he's like, but we got a fast. And I'm like, but that fast filter is going to get dirty at some time. Or like, even if that fast filter is a three micron filter and the factory fuel filter is after it and it's a larger micron filter, you still have a chance to catch something before your very expensive injectors catch it. It's company money, man. It's, it's so, so not the point. (laughs) I will kill the next person to say company (laughs) money to me. Um, Stop it. (laughs) All right, Paul. 
So yeah, so that is our do's and don'ts from Exergy. Let's dive into Duramax turbos. And Chris, I think the smart place to start here is with stock turbos. Yeah, where to start? Yeah, there's go on stock. Tur- well, I was, I was just going to say so quick, quick rundown. Uh, when we're talking Duramax is maybe for some of our Ford and our Cummins fans out there. We will loop back yep. to those those brands. The, in the Fords future. are going to be a tough one. I'm, there's going to be a lot of learning for me. I think we're really just going to focus on probably like six liter and newer. I'm not going to go back into seven threes. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a couple revisions out there. I do want to talk about six fours because it's compound turbochargers, yep. and I get that. Uh, and then, of course, six sevens. We got a couple of revisions there as well, yep. uh, of a great idea, and then one that actually fucking works. Mm-hmm. So, so, anyways, today's Duramax stock turbos, Chris. I'm just going to do a couple of quick, quick okay. rundowns. Right, uh, LB7 is a non-variable vane turbo. It's yep. the only Duramax that's a non-variable vane. They're also commonly referred to as the I-High turbos. I-H-I, yeah. And that's your 01 to early 04. You got it. Right. Perfect. Yep. Uh, with built trans tuning, so about the peak PSI we're going to see out of this, peak boost out of this turbo, stock turbo, about 30 PSI. Right. Um, and they are a 59-millimeter inducer wheel. Yep. And so to all the listeners out there, oh, well, my truck makes 36 pounds. The turbocharger is going to be most efficient up into that 31, 32. Like it might creep up, creep back down, but that 30, 31, that's the efficiency range as far as boost goes. Yeah. Okay? Anything over that, it's hot and efficient air. It's hurting you, not helping you. Copy that. So, um, but yeah, and uh, if it's a stock, you know, no mod turbocharger, generally going to be around 24, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, for guys that have electric gauges, like an edge monitor, and you're oh, going off I of the factory one. map sensor, it's only going to read 22 pounds, guys. It's only going to read 22. And, and if you call and say that before the tunes, it read 26, yeah. but now it only reads 22. I I'm sending Paul out for don't, it. I don't <laughs> want to argue with you. But you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real. <laughs> but for real, it only reads to 22. It's a it's a limit of the ECM. There's there's nothing we can do about that. The LLY turbo. So we'll go in. Do this it. one is really odd. This too, is the unique one. The LLY. So LLY is a year and a half production. 04 and a half. 05. It is the biggest, baddest effing turbocharger out of all the Duramax lineups in stock fashion. True okay? story. So it is a 63 millimeter inducer. Um, the turbocharger in a max effort scenario built trans style tuning it generate like 35 37 psi yeah nasty like for bragging sure. right oh, for sure you yeah. know i've been around a lot of diesel buddies or car buddies i call how much boost you're on like a few this is what i make yeah 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 so um again similar to the lb7 the map sensor it's only going to go to 22 pounds right um but it is a variable vein geometry the so first this is the vein. first year mm-hmm. of that so you have these these veins they work like a clock they go back and forth and they open and close and that changes the aspect ratio which is um the, the pathway in which exhaust gases travel. Yeah, aspect ratio, a really simple, dummy way of understanding it. It's the distance between the turbine wheel, so that's the wheel on the back side of the yep. turbo, the distance between that and the exhaust housing. Veins are little pieces that change that size. Yeah, they so, open and close. Yeah, like, exactly. It's on this little swivel. It's a really cool concept. Um, the technology is done. Think about when that was designed. Yeah, you know, oh, when it was released. so 04 and a half, 05 is when these trucks were out. So yep. you only got a year and a half to get these big framed, yep. Uh, large yep. stock turbo. 
turbos. And then you're stuck with an LLY that has a five speed. So now you got to do a six speed conversion. Right, of course. Built of course. trans, blah, blah, blah. You got to do all these things. But still, it, it was, was a great turbo and it was revolutionary for its time. It was. And those are the biggest, loosest housings. Yeah. So the exhaust housing is the biggest. And we'll kind of dive into, you know, drivability and stuff like that. How but, that impacts. You know, it, yeah. there's a big, big thing there. Yeah. How about the next one? Uh, LBZ and LMM for for consumer purposes, the same turbo. Okay. Like just, yes, there are differences. And JP, maybe you'll be able to speak a little bit to some of those manufacturer differences. But for customers, they're they're essentially interchangeable. Um, I mean, all three RPOs, for yeah, example, yeah. LOI, LBZ, LMM. You, you can run all, all three. All interchangeable. Right. The biggest difference, yes, the LOI is the biggest inducer on the compressor. Mm-hmm. The LBZ and LMMs are a little smaller. Um, the 61 millimeter Right, inducer. and then the LBZ and the LMM, the LMM gets actually a little tighter in the exhaust housing. As trucks progressed, the exhaust housing gets tighter and tighter, and the veins become smaller and smaller. Right. So a l- couple little quirks, you know, for the guys buying the turbochargers. Probably not going to make a difference. Me, myself, if I was ever to do like a stocker S400 compound setup and I had an, an 04 and a half to 10 truck, I would have a stock LMM charger on my truck. A stock LMM? LMM, because it has the tightest housing. It's going to come to life the quickest. Yeah, I suppose you're going to pick up your peak power off the 75 anyways or 80 exactly. or whatever you're going to run know, for the atmosphere. Pure drivability so. in a towing scenario, right. you know, but uh, it's just really cool to see the turbos, you know, broken down and you get to see the different, you know, the, the veins, there's a night and day difference in size oh, of veins. Oh, really is, yeah. Um, and and the, the size of the veins change throughout the RPOs as well. Yeah. Right, JP? Yes, that's correct. As the uh, emissions standards got more restrictive, the veins got smaller to aid in that. Cool. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. And then the LML, they're going to come in making about 40 PSI. It's about 39 PSI. Yeah. Uh, I believe they have a 60 millimeter inducer. Um, and, and then the tightest exhaust housing of out all of them. All of them. Yeah. Out of all of them. It is the fastest spooling charger out of all of the Duramaxes as well. Um, a few other little differences in the LMLs, the exhaust uh, flange right, the, is at a slight angle exit, yeah. for whatever fucking reason. It has a wheel speed sensor. <laughs> it does have a wheel yeah. speed sensor. It's the first time in those. Uh, so there's a few little differences. JP, am I missing anything on the stock Duramax turbo applications here? Just to add about one big difference that the LMLs had in particular is that they added an air temperature sensor as well on okay. the outlet of the turbo. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. And then the LOI through LML are all Garrett-based turbochargers. All Garrett's. So. Yep. Not iHi. Yeah, it's a good, good note there. Okay. So, th- so that gives you an idea of where we're starting at stock. Now, you're probably only paying attention to the RPO that you're driving. Yep. So if you have an LML, you probably don't care what the LB7 stats are. We're going to try to give you guys some general information. And then I think in the future, we'll break down some of these turbos and just do a whole episode on just one truck. So we'll just pick LB7 and we'll really drill down deep into it for today. It's really more about kind of knowing how to compare turbos because this is something we run into a lot where guys just don't know what's important when they're shopping for a new turbo. A lot of guys don't even know why they want a new turbo. They're just like, well, my wife said I could spend more money on the truck, so I'm going to do it, right? Um, So as we start to compare upgraded turbo options, I've written down a couple of categories that I think are really important. And number one is budget. And Chris, you and I talk about this all the time when, mm-hmm. when we give advice about shopping. I think rule number one is set it and stick to it. So when you set a budget, you set that budget, you make a commitment to that budget, you're not going to go wildly over. You're probably also not going to spend wildly under. You I, should have an idea of where the market is at when you set the budget. Yeah, I think you know before you can even compare upgraded turbochargers, you know, a step back is what is the goal? 
Like what is the truck's use and capability? Like you have to identify that. Then you look in the in the market for a price point. Yeah. And because the only reason I say that is I've I've been the guy to call different, you know, various vendors and say, hey, you know, this is what I got, this is my horsepower goal. When I had my 01 years ago, eight years, nine years ago, I went through three turbos in a summer. Because the I'm not going to mention names, but the specific shops that I had called, they were like, oh, this is the best one for the application. Right. It was like I was driving a naturally aspirated truck. It was terrible. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to get into use of the truck here very, very yeah. shortly. A couple more things on budget. Um, there's a huge difference between the cheapest and the most expensive. Absolutely. Understand that. The most expensive does not mean it's the best, and the cheapest does not mean it's worth your money. Well, and to touch on, and again, I wasn't trying to get off topic, but <laughs> you know, to talk about the value of, of a dollar, you know, you could go buy like an iHire, LLY, or whatever, and just buy an upgraded compressor wheel. And sure. housing already machined. What guys don't realize is, you know, you're talking a 150, 200,000 mile truck. You know how many thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of millions of RPM that turbo has spun over the years? That's right. And then you're going to go and slap a new wheel on and, and a new cover. That that rotating assembly is not balanced. Well, let, let's ask somebody yeah. who gets to see cores come in of 200, 300, 400,000 mile stock turbos. And when they get torn apart, let's say it's an LB7, uh, you how? tear apart. 10 LB7 cores that come in, how many of them have good center sections, good turbines, and good good compressor wheels? If we were breaking down 10, especially what we've been recently seeing, I would say that particularly with the LB7, we'd have to throw away three or four of those center sections just because they don't pass initial QC after cleaning. They, uh, they have the smallest overall bearing diameter, and they're the most likely that I've found, whether it be because of the age or the buyer persona not maintaining them very well, let it, allowing them to wear out and not be usable. Okay. Yeah. So 30 to 40% of the cores that come in, just just center sections, don't have a, a center section that was is going to pass Now, QC. just to throw another wrench into this, these are turbochargers that when you do get them, they do spin. Yes, mo- the so, majority of them do. So these are takeoffs, first of all. Right. This is the guy that's calling, wanting to do a wheel in a, in a housing. Yeah. And this is the same guy that a couple thousand miles later, because he wanted to find the deal, now has a turbocharger failure. So you just spent four to six hundred dollars plus time, plus doing it right now once it's right. once well, it's that's compounded up. on top. Yeah. of it, So you're spending money twice. Yeah. So that's the value of the, the you know understanding the cost. That's it. That's it. Go well, ahead. there's one, actually one more additional thing too to take into consideration with with uh, a cover swap turbocharger. We, I have found when we do our 64, which utilizes a stock turbine and stock exhaust uh, housing, I have to balance those stock turbines by themselves, and those are out of balance coming out of those turbochargers, which means even if the manufacturer says the wheel is balanced, they uh, may not – that doesn't guarantee that when you get it assembled that it wouldn't be the problem that it wouldn't. I hear yeah. you. I think what you're saying is, <laughs> if you ha- you would never know as a consumer at home, you would never know that your stock turbine was out of balance. So right. you're going and spending four six hundred dollars. You're doing all this work, which it's Duramax, so everything you touch on it's a pain in the ass. So you spend all this time, and then at the end of the day, you still have a turbo that's out of balance. Right. That, that's a terrible plan, start to start to finish. Um, also, I think one of the things guys forget is you shop for a turbo and 
the cost of installation, whether you're paying labor of somebody to do it or the install kit, like how many $750 turbos have we seen that take a $1,800, $2,200 install kit? Every S300, uh, dude, years that, ago, S366 is super popular. I get the turbo, 700 bucks. Yeah, but the install kit's three grand. Right. So by the time you're done, it's like you, you were closer to just paying for twins and having a way happier time driving the truck. Um, so yeah, gaskets. That's the other one. I think everybody forgets. You pull a turbo off, just be smart, plan on doing gaskets. Yep. They're, they're never included, but you always need them, mm-hmm. is my kind of rule of thumb for that. Um, okay, use of truck. Chris, you were hitting on this, I think, really, really well, and I didn't mean to break your no, stride no, no, on no, that. No, but, not at all. But drivability... To me, drivability is spool up, right? It's that low-end response of I stand on the throttle, the truck moves, and I need the charger to come up on boost to make the truck move. So it all kind of ties in to me together. How do you think of drivability? There's a few things, a couple key aspects. And, um, you know, I I feel like I just regurgitate the same things over and repeat myself. But (laughs) until you actually experience it, it's your own vehicle, or you really have some seat time behind a vehicle, you really start to understand the drivability. Yeah. Now, for you, Paul, you mentioned spool up. Yes, big aspect. Spool up, how that turbocharger comes into motion plays a really big role. How that turbocharger comes into motion and how aggressive it comes into motion. So the laggier the turbo down low, once it comes into motion, it's going to come in heavy and hard. Yeah. For a daily driven scenario, that's not necessarily the best fit. Same thing with the wheel diameter, that, that all plays role in wheel diameter, exhaust uh, housing aspect ratios, and just allowing the two to be a perfect match in a pair. So when guys call in, for an example, and they're like, hey, you know, like um, I got an LB7, right? And you know, I looked at uh, your 67, okay, one of the turbos that Duramax Tuner recently released. Um, I'm stock motor, stock injector, yada, yada, yada. I use the truck to tow. That customer has already validated that, hey, it's a daily driven truck. I tow with it regularly. It needs to manage EGTs. It needs to be reliable. And my wife drives it from time to time. The 67 is not the turbo for that customer. No. Okay. Now we're looking back on the Stell 64 or the G2, depending on, again, some, some more detailed questions. So, Understanding, you know, oh, it's my weekend warrior. I don't tow. I want to grow to X horsepower. Well, now we can start talking about some bigger frame turbochargers. Right. But, you know, for the average guy, you know, I would say a majority of the customer base that, you know, we work with, these are trucks that guys are using them for work. They want to have play on the weekends. They want to use them for work during the week. It's their family vehicle. They're hot rod on the, it's just, it's their all in one. So you have to be able to, to better match that, you know, and that's, some guys are like, you're asking a lot of questions. Well, I'm helping you not make a couple thousand dollar mistake. So <laughs> identify what you're after. So when you do call into various shops, you give them some type of guideline to work off of. Yeah. If it's a sled pull truck, have the rules ready. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You're going to have rules around what the turbo is yeah, and then yeah. you can get the right turbo spec'd out. If like, you, you know, you kind of mentioned everything there that, you know, if know how you use the truck, and right? I, and then we'll, we'll help you find a, yeah. a turbo that matches that use. It's not the other way around. It's not, I want an S475 single because my buddy said I could tow with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, hold on. Yeah. Is towing your priority or is the same turbo that your buddy has your, your priority? priority. Well, like, I think that's, a, that, it's clearly it should be yeah. towing, right? Or how yeah. you use the truck should be the most important thing. So we do try to pull that out of people. Um, one of the other things I think guys really need to to clamp down and keep in mind is, what else do I need? 
Like if I'm gonna run this turbo, what's the supporting mods? Do I need a custom intake? Yeah. You know, do I need uh, again the whole install kit? But like, can I run? Can I run 45, 50 psi with stock up pipes on my two hundred thousand mile LB7? Look at yeah, LMLs. We've seen it right. Yeah. Like I mean, there's again, these are all the questions that you call into a shop that understands and, and specializes in this, and you tell them a power goal. Most of these shops, they're going to be able to steer you in the right direction of, hey, this is what you need, A, B, C, D, E, F, probably H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You know, it just goes on and on. <laughs> but you have to have, again, you have to have an understanding of the goal. And another thing with the drivability is, like you said, 475, right? I don't know how many 475 or bigger S300 frame trucks that you've driven. I know you've driven a fair amount being at the shop. Sure. But, oh, well, the turbocharger isn't completely laggy. Okay, well, there's dead spots because the truck goes clicks first, second, third, fourth, fourth, converter lockup. Charger falls flat on its face because of the RPM drop. Yep. The only time that truck's going to be fun to drive is wide open throttle. Otherwise, you have to learn how to drive around the turbocharger. So. When I talk to guys, I'm like, you have to relearn your driving style, drive around the turbo. They never understand because, again, they haven't experienced it. Right. And when you explain it like that, it makes a little bit more sense. But at the end of the day, you have to experience it firsthand. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I I never understood what the problem was. Like, to me, it sounded like a great deal. Yeah. You know, like, well, it's a 75-millimeter turbo and your stock one's 60. Yeah. Duh. All the air. Which one do I want, right? Like, but, And that's just, that's just the inducer of the compressor, which it, it makes it – there is a lot of drivability scenarios there, but all of the goodies are in the back end. Yeah. You know, what well, size the turbine, the housing, that kind of thing. Even something I think we're, we're starting to learn here, I think we're, we've started to prove here, and JP, you could probably speak a little bit more to this, is your inducer measurement is one measurement yeah. of many when it comes down to designing just that wheel. If we're just talking about compressor wheel to yes. compressor wheel, I could have the same inducer and same exducer, but two totally different wheels side by side. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. The uh, a good example of that's our sixty four whole set and our sixty four uh, Duramax options. The height of the wheels is very obvious, even though the inducer diameter is the same. Okay. Right. So by height, what do you mean there? The if you place the wheel on a table from where the back of the wheel bolts up to the shaft to the top part of the wheel where the nut secures it onto the shaft. It's almost like you're trying to describe a three-dimensional object with more than one dimension, mm -hmm. which is what we're talking about here, right? <laughs> it's like it's a three-dimensional object. So if you really want to know a, how that turbo is going to work, you would really need all three dimensions. And that that is why we see the uh, 351, 341s make so much more peak power than we do out of the out of the Duramax side. Yeah, well, I think, one of the reasons I think we can agree. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, it is a larger. That's a whole nother episode. Compressor wheel. <laughs> that's a okay. whole nother episode, but there, there is a lot of truth there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, I couldn't agree more. But you could also take two turbochargers. We'll, we'll, we'll just stick with LB7, one RPO to keep it simple, and take the same compressor wheel, inducer, exducer, mm -hmm. but run two different turbine sizes, and that's a night and day difference totally to make completely everything. different power yeah. levels. And to some degree, you could hinder drivability or not necessarily hinder drivability, de depending on the combination. Yep. yep. So Absolutely. there's a lot there. When guys call in, I can't stress this enough. Oh, well, I want, I, I'm going to buy this 63. I'm going to buy that 63. Well, those are nowhere near the same. There's no similarities. Well, they're both 63 millimeters. <laughs> you got to understand the dynamics of all the measurements. Right. It's so. like saying they're both Duramaxes when you're talking about an LB7 and an LML. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They, they are both. They're 6.6s, man. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. 
Yeah. For sure. Try swapping those turbos. All right, guys. <laughs> I'll pay um, you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've hit around everything, right? Budget, use of trucks, supporting mods. That's the episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, peak power. And I put this one last in the outline today, Chris, because I feel like it's always the first thing we talk about with customers. Oh, it is. And when we talk about use of the truck, it comes up. When we talk about budget, it comes up. When we talk about supporting mods, it comes up. People want to know how much power can this turbo make. And I guess my reality for people is like, this turbo does have a peak power limit, but your truck has another limit that we probably should discuss as well. Because if I sell you an LB767 G2 that's capable of 800 horsepower, and you have 100% over injectors and a stock CP3 and a stock transmission, you do not have an 800 horsepower truck. You just don't. Stock bottom end, stock head. I mean, yeah, not even getting to it lasting, just making the number right is like you you don't have an 800 horsepower truck. But again, that's where you ask the questions. That's where again, guys. I mean, I've literally had guys call in. They're like, no disrespect towards these guys. You know, I've been there before. Sure. You know, I want this turbo. Well, it's probably not the best for your your setup. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to buy. I want it. And it's like, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to take your money because there's going to be a support afterwards because I think, you know, at the end, I'll be all the customers always right. Okay. What they want is what they want and it's their money. But if I can do anything in my power to help educate yeah, for a better investment for, like you said, if you're a stock transmission and you're 300,000 mile truck, stock, stock truck and your turbo blew up. You do not go into a sixty-seven. No, 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 no. And and you know, and even even the guys who are maybe a few stages past that, um, you do also got to think how often. You know, let's say you sled pull a few times a year, or when you go to the the local county fair every year, you yep. always enter the sled pulls. I wouldn't coach you into going to getting a two-five charger. No, right? Yeah, you. Yes, you do sled pull a few times. Mm-hmm. If it's not a dedicated sled pull truck, I wouldn't have you build anything past the work stock class. Mm-hmm. Because, to be honest with you, you have all these crazy rules of non-drivable turbos. Or I shouldn't say non-drivable. Oh, turbos, you probably, probably don't have good, what we right. call street manners. Or you'd want to tell with. Yeah, yeah. Right. These are not chargers that are designed for that purpose. So you really got to think not just, do I want to make this power number, this 800, this 700, this 600, whatever. Um, you think, how often am I going to make that number, right? Because I have had guys who are looking at an S475 an S366 SXE, and they're like, well, the S475 is going to make more power, and I can get away with pulling that in my my sled pull class. It's like, okay, but you're only pulling three times a year. You drive this truck every day. Mm-hmm. Go with the S366. Mm-hmm. Like, they, It's, it's going to be a way better. Who cares if you don't win that pull once a year and get a blue ribbon? A blue ribbon. It, like, Who gives a shit? And 50 like the, bucks. The payout's not enough to cover your fuel to go to it. No. So, so be smart. You know, Think about, how, again, how often am I competing? How often am I driving? What am I going to set up to kind of make that balance work? Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to start. Um, I do, did just make a post on Duramax Tuner where I posted a picture. I just said, hey, guys, if you're thinking about a new turbo to spool up or peak power matter more, overwhelmingly people reply spool up. But yet when I read comments with questions about our turbos or I pick up phones and I answer phones, we peak always power. talk more about peak power yep. than we do on spool up. So it's like... I'm, I'm having a hard time placing a great analogy on this. It'd be oh. like somebody saying, hey, did you know smoking's bad for you while you're lighting a cigarette? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I, I knew that, right? Yeah. And I could tell you that, but there's a difference of me actually acting on mm-hmm. it. And that's what we do want to kind of remind people is peak power is important, man. If you're making an 800-horsepower truck, you don't want to go with a 63-millimeter inducer because there's like 
just such a small chance that you're actually going to make the number, right? right? Like unless we're building again an all-out pull truck. Um, you know, you know, so we do want you to get to that peak power goal. We're not telling you ignore all of your goals. Power isn't mm-hmm. good. We love power. We're just saying you got to kind of put all of these together. You got to look at the budget. You got to look at the use of truck. You got to look at the supporting mods, and you got to look at the peak power. They're all equally important. It's Absolutely. not one is more important than the other. Yep. Right. Um, hey, before we dive into some possible routes that guys can go, now that we've kind of talked about the chargers, we've talked about how to compare different turbo upgrades, we're actually going to get into some specifics about these are your potential options. You could go with these routes. Uh, first, I just want to do a quick shout for WC Fabs from Facebook segment. Yeah. Uh, WC Fab, of course, if you're looking for S300, S400 install kits, twin turbo kits, traction bars, powder coating, or CP3 conversion kits for the LML, uh, they are the U.S.'s premier fab shop in the Duramax and Cummins world. Uh, we really, again, another group of guys that we just can't say enough good about. Uh, I think we all consider ourselves personal friends with uh, Jason Worley over there and the rest of the crew and Ryan and uh, the rest of the Worley family. Uh, they really are just great guys to work with. So if you have a chance or you're looking for some upgrades for your truck, check out WCFab.com. Uh, today's today's yes. response, today's Facebook uh, question comes from Tanner Howard. Uh, uh, clear your breath. Clear, clear your voice. <clears throat> There you go. Go. You're a little froggy. Good. Good call. All right. Hey, guys. So I was doing some work with tightening some fittings on my CP3 due to a minor leak at the FPR, and I noticed the driver's side fuel rail, two CP3 high-pressure lines, was stripped out and won't get tight. I know I'm going to have to replace this, but my question is, would I see any gains going with a ported fuel rail fitting or just go back to stock bore for it? or just go back to stock bore fittings. Thanks, guys. I'm going to get a lot of flack with what I'm about to say. Are you, are you, oh, I really don't know what you're going to say. Let's hear it. Dude, put the stock bore fittings back on. Oh, I Save your it. money. It's, I really thought you were going to go the other way no, on this one. Oh, guys, call in. Guys, I love I love all my customers, right? Like uh, Short fuse, not short fuse. I don't give a shit. But <laughs> when you're telling me your mod list, and you're like, yeah, you know, I have this, 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 this. I got ported fuel rail fittings. I got the relief valve, shim, whatever. What kind of power am I going to make? And it's like, you know, you tell them but I have ported fuel rail fittings. <laughs> you know what, man? Screw me. You're right. You have 100 horse more there. I, uh, we have a, an, an old coworker who's, who's no longer here who told me that he was dropping rail pressure, so he put in ported fuel rail fittings, and it fixed it. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Um, um, our Duraburb, perfect example, DuramaxTuner.com, Duraburb. We've done a drive-along. You've seen yeah. the video. Uh, I love that truck. Just shy of 1,100 wheel, conservatively. Stock rails, no ported fuel fitting BS stock. Yeah, think think this one through, guys. Um, and, and no offense to, against you, uh, Tanner, because we get this question all yep. the time, which is why you can hear the frustration in our voice with it. The common rail holds fuel right before the injectors and after the CP3. The amount of fuel that's pumped through, even a CP4.2, 30,000 PSI, right. plenty of volume, uh, an older CP3, any of the older trucks, you're still talking about 26,000 pounds per square inch, PSI. Th- yeah. That's a lot of fucking pressure, okay? And now you're thinking that if you increase the volume of space inside of that rail between the CP3 and the injectors, that will somehow make an impact. But there's no control through that path. No. There's there's no electronics in that path. There's You're not making 
more rail pressure. You're not sending more fuel to the injectors because the injectors are getting the yeah, amount of fuel based on fuel. pressure and time. So the amount of pressure that is sent to them and the time that they are open, that's how it decides. You could put a five-gallon bucket above there, and it'd still be the CP3 and the injector deciding how much fuel gets sprayed into the combustion cycle. So in other words, at the end of the day, ported fuel rail fittings, no benefits. No dice. Um, but great question. Save Guys, your money. Also, uh, if you have questions about your truck, about a performance upgrade you've been thinking of, or if you just want to shoot in a message and say hi to Chris or myself, please feel free. Reach us on Facebook at Diesel Performance Podcast, or you can email Chris. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So it's C. Emke. I got shafted. I don't get the Chris at DuramaxTuner.com. That was taken. So it's uh, C is in Chris. And then my last name. So E is in Echo. H is in Hotel. M is in Mike. K is in Kilo. E is in Echo at DuramaxTuner.com. And I was the first Paul here, so I'm just Paul at DuramaxTuner.com. And after the hire, uh, he will be the last. I will be the last. (laughs) (laughs) There can be only one. (laughs) There will be only one. (laughs) God, I hate you. JP, uh, we're now going to talk about possible routes guys can go. Okay. And I I brought you into today's episode for this first one because you obviously just know a ton about them. And that's our Stealth Series turbos. Um, These are drop-in turbos. And they fit all of the Duramaxes. We have models for the iHi and or for the LB7, um, all the VVTs, and of course the LMLs as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about the drop-in 64s for the Duramaxes. What's what are you really proud of in those turbos? So the the initial the initial most easy part to describe and quantify on for the 64 series turbochargers is that when we bring them in tear them down, clean them up, is that we automatically put a brand new kit um, in them that covers all of the possible bearings and all of the possible sealing surfaces for it. It also includes a couple upgrades, like a 360-degree thrust bearing, and where applicable, O-rings for the compressor housing. For example, in the iHighs, which from the factory come with an RTV sealant that seals them. So you get a complete kit to completely rebuild them. And then you put that kit in, and then you throw in a couple of parts that are unique to the 64. Yes, we have a custom-spec turbine for the majority of the 64 lineup that we have tested and retested to make sure that we get the optimal performance out of them, and a custom-spec wheel which is also machined from a solid piece of billet aluminum that we are the only ones to have. So we have a unique turbine wheel. uh, We have a unique compressor wheel. We have a completely rebuilt turbo that's all cleaned and polished and sandblasted and cleaned and polished and sandblasted again. It's all assembled. It all gets QC'd by you. Yes, that was the the second part of the uh, setup. We... That's a little bit harder to quantify, although every single customer that takes delivery of one of our turbochargers has a balance sheet that describes how far out of imbalance that turbine is and the specification uh, written out to give a level of accountability to make sure that every single turbo leaves with a certain level of quality and uh, anywhere from a 25 to 45-point inspection list which I personally do going one by one down and some of uh, some of those turbos could take me up to 20 minutes to inspect each which in some cases is almost as long as it takes to build them <laughs> to ensure the quality I love it I love it it, it is it's, it's like we said at the beginning an almost annoying level of passion 
but but not not quite annoying. Um, I no. refer to it as tweaker. Yeah, <laughs> we we can count on JP. Yeah. Uh, no no question there. Now the sixty seven line follows a similar path, but it's the largest drop-ins available on the market, to my understanding. Uh, there are bigger drop-ins, but I, from what we have tested, I think that uh, our the 67 has made somewhat uh, the highest power. Gotcha. So we uh, And also, we probably, from what we've tested and seen as well, we spend a it seems like we spend the most time on our exhaust housing, which is the least glamorous part of the turbocharger. Right. But the porting where and opening the, on that up. Yeah. Yep, and uh, making sure that how we're cutting it, not just the porting and making it big for the sake of big, but we pay attention to things like how the downpipe interfaces with the exducer of the turbine, which is the outlet of it, to make sure that we don't have any negative flow impacts because just because it bit just because it's big yep. if it's big into a dead wall yeah it's going to cause turbulence yep yep okay okay awesome now also with the 67s on the iHi, they have a custom compressor cover uh to basically help with spool up it's an anti-surge design uh that'll also help with spool up and then on the vvt's the turbine side gets a lot of love so walk me through some of the uh, VVT turbine kind of unique quirks. So with the VVT 67 in particular, we've got a lot of custom parts that a 64 doesn't get, mostly because we don't need that kind of flow with the compressor wheel that we're using on the 64, but also with the turbine housing. So the, the simplest and most easy to tell is if you look through the exhaust inlet ports, you'll see very shiny stainless steel looking veins and rings that's a custom vein pack with that would be the vein in the rings that we get specked out and custom built just for us with our proprietary measurements um we also increase the diameter of that ring to increase the flow of the turbine housing that helps us break past the limitations of the factory turbine housing now vvt's vvt's are traditionally known to not make as much power as a non-vg mm -hmm. vvt turbo this is something that i think we've all have heard uh, from customers and and run into on the dyno as well, but but you're saying that the unison ring, the and the uh, the custom veins, which are up to 53 percent larger than stock veins, um, they're really what help with being able to get that peak power out of these variable veins because they are 800 horsepower capable. Yeah, absolutely. What we ran into was that as we increased the size of the turbine wheel, it began we began having issues with a possible contact with those veins in the factory location. So we go as far as knocking out all of the dowels, machining the, that face where the dowels are, and increasing the diameter to allow us to fit that larger turbine. Uh, to allow us to fit the largest turbine found in any VVT Duramax turbo. Correct. Awesome. Cool, man. So that's the 67 lineup uh, and the 64 lineup. The Stealths, uh, like I said, they cover all the way 01 to 16 Duramaxes. They're available on the shelf, ready to ship. Uh, of course, you guys know that. There are also the S300, S400 installs. And this is where I think Worley probably has a lot of experience yeah. considering he builds those awesome kits for he them. He does. Uh, traditionally, I think in this shop, we've mostly been pushed away from the S300, S400s, not necessarily just because they compete with the Stell Series turbos, but because we're just not huge fans of some of those factors, like the drivability and the spool up, like the EGT control. We've seen a lot of guys get these chargers, go through a very expensive and laborsome install, and then not love their truck. Yeah. And, and as tuners, we've spent 
over 10 years now trying to fix that drivability. Uh, Borg Warner's new SXE line seems to be a huge improvement. So the S300 guys, I think the the 69 SXE is getting really, they, really popular out there. They drive really, really well. Again, turbine profile, sizing, how it matches the exhaust housing. They've done a great job. They drive halfway decent for a fixed vane charger. Yeah. Um, but you still have the cost perspective there. You know, you, you a lot do. of guys, you know, they... What I run into a lot with guys is they're like, okay, well, I want to make, you know, X power now, but I want the ability to grow. Okay. So you go buy the S300 kit and you spend a good amount of money on an S300 kit. Then you want to compound over that in the future and all the piping has got to be redone. You're spending money twice Yeah. versus you can go with a VVT, drop it in, compound over that down the road, buy the turbo kit once you're going to be right in the same ballpark at that point. You'll be cheaper. You yeah. know? And the turbo kit, it, just the twin turbo kit itself is cheaper right. when, when you're just exactly. doing a stocker because so, it, it goes off a stocker And kit. again, as technology advances, you know, the, the VVT world, like we were just talking about, the, the power potential is there um, as a single and in a compound application. You know, yep. years ago, to f- you know, oh, I got a 4094-475 or a 4094-480. They made power on on some dynos, but when we would get the trucks here, you know, again, just controlling it in one aspect, whether we're Duramax tuner is tuning the truck or not, right? Okay, the power number seemed fairly consistent. You know, now we can go with the technology, put a smaller turbo in the valley, put a bigger turbo as the atmospheric or a similar size turbo, have a really drivable, utilizable truck, and make four-digit numbers. Yeah. So, and, and those are really your three options. So it's it's drop-ins, S300, S400s, or compounds. Or triples. Well, compounds I consider with triples because you're compounding three chargers, right? True. So twins or triples, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, which, which are applicable. You definitely were huge fans of uh, twin turbo setups. Um, yeah. Triple turbo setups, I think, are for, for a very specific set of guys uh, who really want something that looks amazing when they pop the hood, something that's really eye-catching. And also we have seen something that make can make huge power. Yeah. Uh, so it is a good way to break up a 1,000-horsepower a build into something that could be more drivable. Uh, we're seeing guys at that 1,500, 1,600-horsepower range and probably not driving them every day, but oh. still able to take them out, you know, and, and you be on the street with them. You're learning how to drive the truck again. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, uh, you know, anything's possible if you put your mind to it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Chris, I wanted to give you a shout out. We're working on a new vlog series with you, a new video, yeah. um, series with you. You're going to be doing some ride alongs in some different trucks. Yeah. We're going to start, uh, the, the 15 twin turbo Ram. Uh, we have a couple other Rams that, uh, we're going to be doing some driving, some filming, Basically, just going through the ins and outs, taking stock trucks, reviewing them. Okay, this is what I've seen. This is what I expect. Like, you know, just real world characteristics. You know, maybe someone's going to buy a truck. We get a lot of guys that call in at the shop like, oh, well, what would you buy? And it's like, man, I don't want to get into this right now. But (laughs) I just want to give some real world experience and being able to see whether it's facial expressions, RPM, vehicle speed on the dash, whatever the case may be, just some real world like in the seat, like. This is what to expect. Um, so we have a, a plethora of vehicles in the lineup <laughs> right now. Um, everything from 2.8, we did one a ride along, you yep. know, on this, like we were talking about earlier in the BMW, um, but a lot of different trucks, not just Dodges, which is my specialty. Um, yep. It'll be some Fords, there'll be some Duramaxes. I mean, even you know L5Ps, you know, that are not tunable still. But you know what? I'm going to got to get a stock it. baseline. Yeah, I want to yeah. review it. You know, it, so I'm really excited. This is something that you and I have been talking about behind the scenes for a couple months now. Sure. Um, 
I procrastinate. I know that. <laughs> and uh, there comes a point where I just get sick of hearing you and I have to bite the bullet and do it. That's it. Um, so, you know, we've been doing some of that and we've had a couple edits. You know, real world, I'm not perfect. Never would claim to be. We had to scrap a couple and implement a couple new ones. Yeah, but, there, were, uh, there was one there, there was one intro that uh, we threw away because yeah. it was just, it, you know, it was a little dry. Hey, you know, Listen, live and learn. We, we as a team, whether it's on the podcast at Duramax Tuner, at yeah. Calibrated Power, we as a team like to try to provide the absolute best that we can, whether that's tuning, turbos, or just our media. Uh, we really do try to hold ourselves to a high standard. Mm-hmm. So, uh, keep an eye out for those. Those are going to be coming up on the Calibrated Power YouTube channel, and they'll also be featured on the Facebook pages for Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power. It's probably going to be a monthly series, uh, mm-hmm. so once a month. So Chris is going to try to shoot for the first uh, five trucks this year, and uh, we'll see how 2019 looks for that. Uh, for me, I am really proud of Diesel Tuner's blog. Uh, our uh, a guy over at Duramax Tuner, Justin Tyson, has been working really hard yeah, authoring some blogs here over the last uh, two to three months. I've been really impressed with his writing skills. If you like to read about diesel stuff, uh, we're never going to be claimed to be as good as somebody amazing like Diesel Power Magazine. Uh, but we do write about very specific, very niche uh, things that pertain to us. Uh, so we try to, again, give you guys the absolute best content we can. If you're looking to learn more about diesels, uh, whether it's in general or something very, very specific, uh, check out dieseltunersblog.com. Uh, Mr. Send It Studios, JP, uh, what do you want to plug, bud? I would like to plug the uh, just the guys with the, uh, the new Turbo Studio that we've been working on back there and appreciating the hard work that our machinist and... Uh, all the the other techs that we have going back there and all the late nights from the assemblers and appreciating us running hard and making this program grow exponentially in the last couple months. You know, I know all them jokers. Fuck them. Yeah. No, I'm just playing. I'm just <laughs> playing. They're all say. great guys. You know, They're all great. We really appreciate them. I, I come from an only child family, right? Like I'm an only yeah, child. I'm we selfish as shit. <laughs> but it is nice, you know, like... It is what it is, but, you know, it's a group effort, you yeah, know, from what they do sure. to what you do, unfortunately, which I don't respect, but it is what it is. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, before this interview, I was dead tired on the floor. Like, I don't know why. It's like 110 degrees outside. It's cold as hell in here. And you got me pumped up to do this. That's it, You man. know, it's just relying on uh, your coworkers, friends, you know. We're here enough. It's basically family. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, guys, that's it for us today. This has been Paul Wilson. Chris Emke. Jean-Paul Vain. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Chris at C-E-H-M-K at DuramaxTuner.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, you name your trucks. I do. Yep. Let's hear them. 
Uh, so one is not so embarrassing. The the F two fifty, which is a nineteen ninety five, I named that Louie. Uh, and it looks like a Louie. No particular it's a guy's reason. Name? Louis. You named your truck after a guy? All my diesel trucks are going to be guys. <laughs> so you the ride. Because they work hard. Okay. All I had a couple trucks. other ways to go with this. Like, so you ride well, guys. Well, this is a family but, show. But yeah. No, I didn't go there. <laughs> I didn't go there. I said I was going to, but I didn't. I know, because it's a family show. 